Good afternoon. Episode number eight. We're on the block. Today is July the fourth. The other day, some some idiot accidentally sold his crypto punk for <laughs> for uh, two ETH. Coinbase is federal FDIC insured now, up to two hundred fifty thousand. So you're insured and your money up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars for any of that. These exchanges, in five to ten years' time, like there will be different products on there, and not necessarily just coins. Time goes on, right? These companies, if they have the right talent pool, if they have the right infrastructure and the right brand, they can ex- they can leverage their skills into new markets. Right? Andy Murray's was a little bit different, right? So Andy Murray's, you buy the NFT. I think if you buy a certain one of his NFTs, right, it comes with Center Court Wimbledon tickets. Uh, we were just discussing a second ago about we we're in a very strange situation. The pandemic seems to be coming to a close in the countries that we are in. Just in the top, the thing I wanted to ask you guys is that obviously in the UK we have this Delta variant from India. Uh, people are worrying about this. I think people are worrying about it more than anything because we've had this occurrence a few times over the last year and a half that we've thought that the COVID situation domestically in Europe was behind us and that things could go back to normal. But it very quickly became apparent once we opened up again that we were in a situation where we would have to lock down again or this was not past us. We see as things are opening up in the UK, as the Euros are going on, which we'll talk about in a bit, that the cases are starting to rise again because of this Delta variant. But at the same time, hospitalizations are not going up because most people, or we're getting towards a point where most people has, have been vaccinated. What are you guys' thoughts about where we are with COVID right now? Is it in the rearview mirror in the States? Will we have further issues moving forward? Are people over-exaggerating? the severity of the current situation, perhaps as a PTSD from all the issues that we had from opening up too quickly last year. Where are we with COVID? From your guys' perspective in North Carolina. I think in the States, it's like basically completely done for, right? No one's wearing masks anymore. You go out to these bars and stuff, it's jam-packed. There's like no space at all, right? So people, people aren't, they don't care anymore, right? Like you go into an Uber, we went into an Uber yesterday and they have a policy when you get the Uber saying you have to wear a mask, right? And we get in the Uber and the Uber driver's like, you don't have to wear that. I don't, it doesn't matter to me anymore, right? And people, people are just ready to get back outside. So just just out summertime, right? Everyone missed out on the summer last year. So people are ready to go outside is what I'm thinking. Well, it's not what I'm thinking. I'm seeing it. People, yeah. people are, people are out and about. I'm also and, out and about. And people have money. Do they people have money to spend? Oh yeah, people have yeah. money. Bruh, think about all these people that stayed at home last year, didn't spend anything. They weren't even eating out. Maybe an occasional takeout order here and there, right? People have lots of money to spend. Uh, lots mm-hmm. of money. I, I witnessed that last night. People were dropping hefty amounts on drinks at the bar. Rounds on rounds on rounds. Rounds on rounds on rounds. And I was like, dude, what is going on right now? Like, why are you dropping that much money? Dan, what do you think about the world of work and commerce? And are you guys going back to working in the office? Um, Have things changed in that regard? 
Are, is commerce going to continue to take off? Or is the economy still going to continue to boom? We've been a real boom all, all the way through the pandemic, right? Since March last year, when the world kind of realized that it didn't need to be living in those old systems for our economies to boom and for um, the main markers of health in the economy to be increasing. We seem to be in a growth phase in the cycle, right? So where do you see our economy? Where do you see the world, world of work going maybe through? Yeah, it's a good question. I think in general, though, like, you know, like back in March when everything closed down, you had a lot of different areas um, and industries that just, you know, went from being at like 100 to back to like 50, right? You know, moving at like 50% pace. And now, like, you know, with the easing restrictions, like regulations going down, um, and kind of this pandemic coming to an end, you have companies or, you know, industries that are trying to get back to normal. You know what I mean? Um, and we're only an ever-growing society. And so, like, some of these, like, companies and industries, like, they have to keep growing. But, like, the demand is there, but they don't have enough, like, you know, workers. And we're seeing so many, like, supply chains, like, so many like backlogs and supply chains to where like right now like different companies can't keep up with the demand in the market so i think there's going to be so a lot of a lot of growth at least for the next two or three years two three years okay and so what do you think is going to be the what is going to where is that going to hold right so many people are talking about the fact that markets as a whole are overheating right now housing market, stock market, just the economy. Everyone's pent up supply through the pandemic. Everyone's going crazy now, uh, making their big purchases, going out, spending money now. Uh, people have had money in terms of governmental checks. Do you see us having an issue down the road? And if so, where's it going to come? Uh, the reason I asked that is maybe a bit of a leading question because housing is always the big question when we talk about bubbles and things like that in the future. And through you're just an insider. So maybe you could give us some insight is that if there's any issue in housing, for example, in the States now? I don't think that there's any issue in housing. Right now you have the highest rate of like homeowner equity there's ever been. So a lot of, you know, borrowers have 30, 35% of the equity in their mortgages. And so, uh, you know, that's a, a great thing for the market, right? Like, you know, if, if the, the price or the um the value of a home decreases by 10 15 20% like nobody's going to lose money there except for the borrower potentially there there could be some sort of you know like there there will be a correction at some point right where will um, it come from where will it come from uh it's probably i don't know speculating here it'll probably be corporate debt Great. Could you explain that? Like, where would that come through? Like, I don't know. You just you, like with interest rates so low, corporations can go out there and they can borrow money at really low rates, right? Whether or not like that money gets paid back, that's dependent on if the corporation does well. At the beginning of the the pandemic. 
I think it was like Carnival Cruise Line issued some bonds for, you know, whatever the the notional value was, maybe a couple hundred million. And they were doing literally zero business. <laughs> there were no Carnival Cruise Lines running and people were buying their bonds. Like, how are you going to pay those off? I don't know. It's, it's just... But I, I think Cruise Lines is a different story, though. Cruise Lines is one of the most profitable businesses in the world. Is that right? So, yeah, they are. They're one of the most profitable businesses in the world. And once they get running back to capacity, Cruise Lines have an enormous amount of cash on hand. Why is that, Jason? Can you explain that? People gamble. Uh, so it's, there's a lot to it, right? So when you go on a cruise, you, you, you see the low. The Like a cruise line is actually one of the most affordable trips to go on, right? If you're only doing what is provided you with the, the ticket you get, right? So you can go on a cruise for like – so you can leave from Florida and go to – on a five-day cruise for maybe 400 sometimes even $300, $400 to $600, right, per person. That's five nights, all food, all drink – well, not all drinks, but all food and basic beverage is paid for. And then you get access to like a pool. You get access to shows. You get access to entertainment, and you get stops along the way, right? But the thing is, where the cruise lines make their money, first of all, is they make it through the drink packages. So drinks on those cruise ships are wildly expensive, wildly expensive. And then they have the excursions where they make a lot of money off them, right? There's all the add-ons you can get when you're on a cruise. It, it adds up and they make a lot of money. And then on top of that, all these cruise lines, they aren't based in countries like the U.S. or the U.K. They're based in countries like Panama City, um, well, not Panama City, but Panama, Bahamas, Bahamas, Panama, um, South American, like so, corporation tax would be low then, right? Yeah, where they, they, it's basically tax evasion is what it is. It's legal yeah, tax evasion. They also don't have to pay their workers as much. And that's what I was getting to my next point. So all their workers, they come from these third world countries that where they don't, they don't have to pay them nearly anything. Like they're paying base base wages. That's very very interesting. And and they travel so when you think of a when you think of like traveling, right? What what drives the, the the cost of that that travel? So when you want to travel by plane, it's all about fuel. Fuel is the most yeah, fuel is the most expensive thing in a flight altogether. Everything is driven on the fuel, the price of your ticket. And with cruise ships it's a little different because they don't travel fast, but they go they go pretty long distances. And they, 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 they don't use that much fuel because they travel very slowly at wherever they're wanting to go. They, they have a whole day to get from Bahamas to Florida or like even two days sometimes, right? So they, they don't expend the m- amount of fuel that you would expect like when you're trying to get somewhere quickly. I guess you're doing like a, you're doing like a cheap airline. It's like an airplane ride that's for many days with many areas to spend money. As yeah, exactly. The food on a plane. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's almost like a train. Like I, it's like a like a train, right? You have a train car where you can book a room, yeah, and you have things on the train you could do. Like there's sometimes like there's like restaurants on the train, right? It's not really as much entertainment, but but cruise lines are very profitable businesses when they're when they're up up and running. You know, on the contrary to that, I was even looking at the like share price of Delta, um, Continental, right? Some of these airline stocks. And just thinking that look, the, the market is depreciated now. Moving forward, if everything's going to open up, surely everything will go back up again. 
the the price has already been put back in, right? So the 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 future expected earnings for these companies have already been priced back into the stock. But on the contrary, I was thinking, as uh, according to your point, I I still don't seem to understand where airlines managed to make their revenue, right? Because previously we had domestic budget flights in Europe where tickets were 30, 40 pounds. And it's very difficult. Well, okay, so I'll tell you how they make their money on that, right? So in the US, right, there's there's laws in the US to to provide more interconnectedness between these rural parts of the, the United States. So the government actually subsidizes flights from these bigger cities to the rural areas. So mm-hmm. what is so these so you see these flights that go like I don't know if you know about like so I was watching a video about this on YouTube about how um, there's this 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 YouTube channel called Wendover Productions and what he does he like takes topics around the world or like like economic topics like companies and stuff and just explain how it financially works or even just what it is right and he was explaining that for like a flight from like Denver to some of these parts in the Rocky Mountains right which are isolated. You can travel by car, but not many people are going to take it, right? Government requires, or they put a they put a contract out there to these to the the airline companies say, whoever wants to take this contract, you have to bid on it, and we'll subsidize you for that amount, right? So you have to fly that on a daily basis, a certain amount of people. You have to provide a certain amount of um, seats on that plane, and you have to fly a certain amount of times a day. But we'll pay for that flight, right? So the airlines make money no matter what on that flight. Okay, so it's a it's a heavily subsidized industry. Yeah, basically. heavily subsidized industry. So I was reading up a, the reason I was reading up about this because they're talking about electric airplanes, right? Because you would is think natural. Huh? Is that possible? Yeah. So there are electric airplanes out there. They're not like they're not like seven forty sevens or like they're not like they're not the commercial size, right? So they're like the charter planes almost. You get a charter plane with like eight ten seats. There there will be electric airplanes for that. So they were talking about that, right? And they were saying, what is the what is going to be the use case for electric airplanes? And it was really what they were talking about is there's these these small like flights between like Boston and these small cities up north where these charter planes can be go to electric because they're subsidized by the government. Right. And th- mm-hmm. they save all that money on fuel. My question would be, though, I, I guess it's a, it's a question of size that, for example, Tesla's and other electric vehicles in the UK, the the pushback against them is the battery doesn't give you mileage, right? That the maximum mileage that you can get out of these vehicles is 300 miles, something like that. How big would the battery need to be on a aircraft to enable it to be able to go? Because the energy requirements is... Well, the energy requirements is only for like takeoff and landing, though. You got to remember that. Once you get in the air, those planes don't expend that much fuel. Because if you you can, they can glide a while, is my understanding. I'm not sure exactly on it, but uh, I would assume like that's the biggest problem, right? It's the battery because flying, it's all about the weight, right? Mm. The weight is what drives how far you can go. So the more Fine. weight you, more weight you have in your plane, the shorter distance you go. Well, the more, the more energy you're going to need to get it further. Fine, fine, fine. I get it. But the, the plane is still expanding energy whilst it's flying. Yeah, it's flying. but I think that's not a problem though. If you're looking at short term, like short, short flights, right? You would know exactly how much battery, how much battery power you would need. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I get- it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't matter about that. Battery size wouldn't matter because as long as your plane is big enough to hold the battery, it, and it sure. can go the distance, it, it doesn't matter, right? 
in, in terms of this question that Drew brought up about this uh, supply side shortages, right, that's really occurring now as everyone's going back to normal. Did you see um, lithium is a very essential component of a lot, in a lot of these electric vehicle, these EV uh, battery packs? And that's the one that a lot of people are talking about um, is, is in short supply, right? And apparently a lot of people in the US, like close to the Rocky Mountains, are making big businesses of this, right, mining lithium. I think under the saltwater flats in Utah, if I'm not correct, if I'm not uh, mistaken, uh, and things like this. So that's a burgeoning industry. Uh, on that subject, uh, in terms of the question about returning back to normal and the things that will change, um, one thing I wanted to discuss with you, we had a little WhatsApp conversation about this, was uh, the IPO of Robinhood. So Robinhood is a trading platform uh, founded in the US a few years ago uh, that specializes in, in zero commission trades. And the reason to bring this question up specifically is that we've had, um, talking about crypto now, we've had our established exchanges for some time, right? So Coinbase has been the big one that went public earlier this year. Binance is probably the, the other big one, which, as we mentioned last week, has had uh, considerable regulatory issues in the UK uh, in the last couple of weeks and in Europe. Um, where does Robinhood, Robinhood is going to IPO? Um, and Robin have obviously suffered some scandals and some difficulties this past year. Where do they fit into the crypto trading landscape moving forward? I don't think they do. I don't think necessarily. You buy crypto directly. You buy crypto on there, but I think, in my honest opinion, though, uh, what we saw last year, right? Uh, or not last year, this year, with the way they handled the AMC and everything. AMC and all those stocks and then halting trading multiple times. Um, well, not even halting trading. They still allowed you to buy the stock. They didn't allow you to sell it, right? That literally goes against all fundamentals of basically what crypto is. Right? Sure. I definitely think it's still going to be a major powerhouse in the stock world. Finance did the same thing every time. Well, there was, um, that wasn't... You're right. They did stop it, but that was because they couldn't handle the volume. My understanding is. Sure, but it, it goes back to the same thing that it's. You but don't... no, 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 no. Coinbase. I mean, Robinhood stopped because they said they didn't want to hurt the investor, right? Because huh. they thought that the the investors would lose their money. But you're halting the ability to sell. That's going to hurt them even more later because it's when you halt the ability to sell, the price is going to drop exponentially, right? Because the only people who are sell these these large corporations with their their contacts and everything, right? Uh, sure. Who are already on the market, but like in the Coinbase, I'm not very clear on exactly why Coinbase, but my understanding was it's because they've actually experienced in the past where the, the network got overloaded and they didn't want a similar case to happen again, right? Where people were losing funds because it was getting trapped and the money wasn't moving out. You mean the reason why it shut down? Like, for example, when there was that big drawdown in May, both Binance and Coinbase stopped trading for a couple of hours. Again, in terms of what the clarity about the reason is, is not clear. But um, yeah, well, my, yeah, my understanding was because it was because there was too much of people on the network. Okay, and Robinhood, uh, the, one of the reasons that they're well known is because they um, they're one of the companies that pioneered this commissionless trading, right? And they allowed retail investors to gain access to complex derivatives like shorts, swaps, mm -hmm. things of this nature, right? And what I wanted to ask you, and this plays into the crypto landscape as well, is that. It seems as though um, public market trading, so that includes crypto, includes stock, stocks, those equities, those two main things, I'll be, I've, has 2020, has 2021 
fundamentally change the way the general person thinks about public uh, market investments, trading, working like buying yeah. crypto. So I think I think I think don't get me wrong. I think Robinhood is a great company. I think it's allowed us to have access to the stock market that which we would never have been able to before unless we had enough capital to go to the bank and say manage my money for me, right? And I'll help direct you on what I what I think you're what I think is the right investment. Mm. Um, but I think this year has been a, a game changer, right? It's it's brought everyone's attention to the the amount of money that can be made in the investment markets. Not just crypto, not it's the stock market as well. And like you said, complex derivatives, which are shorts and uh, longs, right? Uh, which I think is a great thing, right? People should be putting. If you're young, great? what do you think? Do you think it's a great thing? Like, no, I, I think it do. When you're younger, well, like this because we've talked about this before, right? I always think investing. It depends on where you are at life. The younger sure. you are, I definitely think you should be investing, right? Sure. You should be investing. The risk is. The risk is like neutralized almost because the amount of life you have left to, to make it back, right? It's not going to hurt you long term. But when you're older, it, it, it will hurt you long term or not even long term, short term at that point, right? Because if you're planning on retiring, you have kids, right? You, you need to be able, be able to financially support them. But when you're young, I think it's important that you invest because you never know. You might make a good amount of money on, on something. Is it sensible to be investing, like investing in like um, ETFs or index funds at that age, or is it more sensible to because sometimes the the line between and we talk about this with crypto all the time that well, sometimes that, the gambling thing, right? Yeah, yeah, that comes down to the point is how much research are you doing, right? Everyone has to do their own research and understand what they're putting their money into. You can't just put your money out there. Well, you, you can't just put their money out there because you heard someone else do it, right? Even if you hear something on that Wall Street bet site. You, you you need to do your own research on on what what the actual investment is. It's, I mean, at the end of the day, any sort of investment is a bet, right? Yeah. You can it can be an educated bet, or it could just be you know a straight up, you know, I think that it's going to go up, or whatever. Going back to the point that you know Jason made, he's like, Robinhood is great because it gives people access to like you know these capital markets and to be able to invest their money and stuff but the the one thing that i would say you know is a negative that comes out of robin hood is that people will just buy stocks because for the sake of buying stocks right not looking at hey um is this company meeting its earnings revenue or targets its revenue targets like fundamentals about companies um, which creates a kind of imbalance in the marketplace, right? Where, you know, certain stocks are just overvalued because there are a lot more people buying them now. They're not buying them based on their like fundamentals. Sure. There's a number of things that go into that, right? We've been in this crazy bull market. Interest rates have been at zero. People have been sitting at home with not much other entertainment this last year and a half. So it encourages this sort of um, like behavior, right? I think it's quite interesting in terms of if you look at Robinhood's revenue figures over 2020, 2019, 2021, it's been doubling year on year. And like the, the something like 200% growth per quarter since like the last quarter of 2019. So it'd be interesting to see where that goes. In terms of crypto, right? Um, will Coinbase 
I don't know if you guys if you guys are that aware of the issues that Binance had in the UK. So they basically halted uh, trading and spec not speculative, but it could be speculative buying of cryptos with Binance in the UK. Uh, do you think that Coinbase and let's talk maybe about Coinbase specifically because this is the kind of gold standard in the industry. Will they maintain their position as the market leading trading platform in the crypto space moving forward? Coinbase or Binance? Coinbase, Coinbase. I thought Binance was the 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 largest market maker or exchange. I think Binance provides the largest um I think, range I think of assets, but I think Coinbase yeah. is the largest. I think I think Binance is the most assets under under management or whatever, right? Oh really? I don't, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think is that how you consider it in the exchange world? Is it assets under management? Well, yeah, it would be assets on the management. But I, I thought I would Binance. Well, because Coinbase, I mean, Binance is, it targets a huge market. They, they got that Chinese market over there. China, the, is Binance the, is the leader in, in China? Yeah it's, yeah, it's a Chinese company. Yeah, Binance is the leader over there, 100%. So, so do you think they, group those two together? Like the US is Coinbase, right? Then Binance maybe is. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I started off with I started off with Binance first. Really? Yeah, so I started off with Binance. I, when I first bought cryptos, it was on Binance. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to Coinbase. I, I can't remember when, because I, I got it in so while back. I don't think Coinbase was really a big thing back then when I got in. I can't remember now, but I, I definitely think I definitely think Coinbase is there to stay. Uh, I think the only other way, I think it allows. It's almost like a Robin Hood, right? So. In the crypto world, there are other DEX platforms out there that you can trade on, which I, I don't trade on either Coinbase or Binance anymore, really, at all. I trade on Gemini. There's a few other big I exchanges. use like Uniswap, SushiSwap, those exchanges like that to, to actually make trades themselves, right? Because those interact better with my, my hard wallet. But Coinbase will always provide the factor, the, I mean, the, the utility where you can get your money in and out to a regular bank account. Sure, sure. So I can't do that with those other systems. I mean, those other exchanges. I can't. I'd have to. I have to send it to Coinbase to be able to withdraw my money to my bank account. Fine, fine. I guess Coinbase has become as as crypto has become more mainstream in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. It's the most user friendly interface, right? Yeah, user friendly. Very easy. Yeah, like like my mom can go on Coinbase and easily understand what does she have in her portfolio. Where's where's the growth or where's the decline, right? What are other cryptos out there that I can trade on? Uh, it's it's very easy. It's for any age, right? It's it. That's why I, I, like you like I compared it. It's like Robinhood almost, right? In the, in the sense that before the regular consumer didn't have access to the capital markets, but now they have it through Robinhood, which is very similar to what like Coinbase is, right? So there are other exchanges out there that more diehard users, I would say, would use. Sure. But a regular consumer is going to use Coinbase to be able to access that market. Sure. Okay. Excellent. So the so well, Binance is a is a I'm reading here now, so I didn't realize this, but Binance, like you said, is it's domiciled in uh, one of these skeptical tax areas. So it's, it's domiciled in the Cayman Islands, but it's a Chinese company. But since uh, 2021, this year, the last couple of months, it's moved its headquarters out of China because of the China-fired regulations surrounding cryptocurrency. 
So that is interesting, right? Um, the, on the subject of, of, uh, of keeping funds on exchanges, uh, that was always the, the rhetoric around crypto back in the, even up until 2020, 2019, right? That not your keys, not your coins. That if you kept uh, crypto on exchange, like Coinbase or Binance, for example, uh, it was dangerous because you don't necessarily own. And we already talked of other exchanges still getting hacked. Uh, do you but, think but, that still maintains now that these companies are larger? No, 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 but Coinbase is federal FDIC insured now, up to 250000 So you're insured in your money up to $250,000 for any of that. Drew, would you still suggest people would to put if they had crypto to put them on cold storage, or would you leave, would you be comfortable advising people to leave them on these exchanges? And then, but have, yeah. you know, cases of people that have had issues with the platform and have been refunded, or well, it's it like if if you make a trade and you send it to the wrong address, you can't get refunded for that, or you, like that's not insured. What it's basically saying is like, hey, like if if Coinbase fails or, you know, you know, the, the exchange. Because, because these guys hold the funds on cold storage, right? You will send, you will purchase or sell crypto on uh, Coinbase or Kraken or Gemini or Binance, and they will hold your coins on their own cold storage, right? Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's my understanding as well, is that they have some on cold storage and then some is is held, you know, probably on some sort of wallets that are easily accessible. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, cold storage is probably better. It, like Jason said, it's a little bit harder to move money from, you know, cold storage because you have to swap it on a uh, like a Uniswap or pancake swap. And then you have to transfer that back to Coinbase and then get cash through Coinbase, right? Or you could find somebody who's like willing to sell you their, I know there are apps there now that you can like kind of put up contracts. So you would say like, Hey, I've got $600 in this platform and I want $600 out of that platform. And you're basically, it's, it's honestly like these swapping. Like Uniswap and Pancake Swap, but it's like an automated market maker where somebody else on the other side is saying, like, "Hey, I've got six hundred dollars in Venmo. I want six hundred dollars in Bitcoin." Somebody else would say, "Okay, I got the six hundred dollars in Bitcoin. Give me the Venmo money, and I'll transfer you to Bitcoin." Okay, fine. And how do you see these companies, these platforms evolving over time? So, if Coinbase is just going to maintain its position as a market maker, as an exchange. That will probably be if you if you if you were to forecast that outcome in five to ten years' time, that probably would be a disappointment, right? Where do you think these exchanges will evolve to? Uh, do you think what can you, for example, at, can you can for example anticipate them offering different services? Can, what what do you see for the future of these exchanges? And I'll include, we'll include Robinhood and things like this as well. Now. Well, I think that. These exchanges, maybe five to 10 years time, like there will be different products on there and not necessarily just coins, but like, you know, like other products that are like credit products, salons, stuff like that. But to be honest with you, I, I really, it's a tough question to answer, right? 
just such a new market. And I, I would uh, assume that if you had like, you know, asked somebody, you know, 20 years ago, what they would uh, think happened in, you know, five to 10 years and just other stuff, it's, it's, it's quite hard to tell because technology evolves so quickly, right? Like, you know, if you started today, like there are massive firms out there that are probably 10 years behind the curve. And so it's all about like, how quickly can you get stuff adopted? And then from there, it's like, how can you uh, keep up with the, yeah, iterate and how can you keep up with the, the current, you know, state of technology? But it does, one thing that's quite interesting is uh, it does seem in the same way that during the dot-com bubble, the dot-com period of time in 2000s, when a lot of brain drain was going towards those industries, a lot of people are going, a lot of intelligent people from um, financial services industries or um, companies like Google are moving towards these smaller crypto firms, right? So it's I, I read an article saying that it's usually it's usually worthwhile following the the talent, right? So uh, if key talent is going from larger companies to these smaller crypto companies like Coinbase and Binance, that's a good indication of their future forecast and the future where they're going to go as a company. On the I subject, that, that's 100%. I think a, a lot of the things I do, right, it's, it's about the talent. It's about who, who's involved with the company. Because that's something you got to be very careful on the crypto, right? There, there are a lot of people out there. You've heard about a lot of the crypto scams where people just take your money, right? So... We it's discussed about, that. Well, yeah, yeah. It's about finding the right person who's got a vision for what, whatever's whatever they're whatever they're building out. Off the the DAOs, the decentralized organization companies, or the um, public listed companies like Coinbase or private companies, um, which would you put a bet on in the next ten to fifteen years becoming um, the next Amazon or Google or a company of that sort of size? Wait, companies or cryptos? Not cryptos. I mean, like an organization, like a Coinbase, like Better, a Binance. Oh, um, a Coinbase. But I don't, I don't know if they'll ever become Amazon size. Amazon's huge. Okay. Yeah. Amazon's uh, also got their their hands in so many cookie jars. Yeah, like you know, Amazon. Maybe one day Amazon will come out with the Amazon coin. Yeah, like Amazon is Amazon's a complete different because they're retail market, right? So. Well, Amazon started as a bookseller, right? They started as for a yeah. few years. Booksellers, they were they weren't anything more. But as Drew said, as time goes on, right, these companies, if they have the right talent pool, if they have the right infrastructure and the right brand, they can ex- they can leverage their skills into new markets, right? Because yeah, that that yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but that that's so unpredictable within the because you have no idea what's going on between their inner doors, right, inside their inside their corporation. What are they planning? Well, I guess maybe some people do. I, I would have no idea what they're doing inside there, right? Until they come up in a conference or something and speak about it. Um. Well, we think about it, like Amazon started 1997, 1996, around that period of time. Uh, they were booksellers, right? They were there to compete with Barnes and Noble. Then they went into retail in every retail space, right? In the world, biggest retailer in, in the world now. Um, I think Walmart are a bigger retailer by revenue, but Amazon is still the biggest retailer in terms of profit, size, scalability. Uh, they went into AWS cloud services, right? They went into um, Alexa, the um, voice assistant. Uh, so that's basically the question I'm asking: is that which has just, the ability? Yeah. Did someone just hear a click? That was his Alexa just went off. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> really? Like, yeah, Your Alexa went I off. Did you not hear that? Mine? I don't have Alexa. 
when Someone's it's, Alexa when went off. said Alexa, like, I heard, like, a ping, like, kind of like, <laughs> hey, when you do Hey Siri. <laughs> so, did you see the, on, on the subject of Amazon this week, uh, Bezos is stepping down from his role as CEO, and, he, he, um, he, go ahead. the leader, the CEO of the AWS, the Amazon Web Services, Jad, Jad, or something like this. Uh, he is taking over the, the the company now. Where does that leave Amazon moving forward? Well, I think I think that's great though. That, that, I think not great, but like it's been in the books for a while. But I think the, the guy who did AWS is a good thing. He really brought AWS, I mean Amazon Web Services, into the forefront. They're the leaders in providing servers for companies and everyone out there, right? Andy Jassy, Andy Jassy. They grew so quickly. Tomorrow Monday is this is yeah. is. Big. Last day of CEO. Yeah, I think AWS has had exponential growth over the past. I think it's more than the past few years. But like before, people didn't know what AWS was. I remember, I remember going about five, six years ago when I was in college, going on Amazon, and I stumbled across the AWS page, and I was like, "What is AWS?" I knew, like I knew what Amazon was, right? But had no idea what that Amazon provided all these web services that now almost every everyone uses AWS. Yeah, in some I, I, sort of fact. every company that has some sort of partnership with Amazon to use their AWS servers. And Amazon really weren't a profitable company, right? Into, until AWS came to the forefront. You realize their retail business is so it's so tight on the margin, right? It's like it's well, like one yeah, percent net margin, whereas AWS provides like a strong, healthy twenty percent net margin. Well, I I, I think their margin is so low because of their prime membership, right? I think. I'm not sure. I haven't dug too deep into it. What I would think is the way the prime works is the more people they get onto it, right? Then their margins start going up dramatically more because the cost of shipping is what's costing them the most amount of, most amount of money. Would you be surprised if prime was making a loss? Yeah, no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. The the amount of cost. Okay. So we send things to you all the time, right? Daniel in the UK and I have been there to been to the store to pay for send one envelope with a tiny like a one one page letter in it right if i want to overnight that sucker or two days a hundred dollars on my end hundred dollars hundred dollars it cost me and think about they have two day shipping everywhere in everywhere in the u.s basically for prime yeah some some places have same day some people have next day like you that's the, I've always found that crazy that they can ship something in two days like that, but they're also building up. They're also building up their own network of transportation, right? Which I think will help solve a problem. Their own delivery, their own warehouses. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've already started that, right? I've never really understood. Is this your own delivery of Fugazi, or is it is it a science experiment, or is it actually taking place? Same day delivery. Do you remember the, the, the all this news about this drones, the drone delivery of Amazon? Oh, Amazon? yeah. I I don't think that's going anywhere. But I heard it. I heard they started it somewhere. I can't remember somewhere in Europe. I think they started it. I'm not sure, but for, for the same day delivery on Amazon is just unbelievable. I like you know where like home is right in in London, so yeah. where my parents live, and it's um it's incredibly um it's it's not it's not in central London at all. Uh, so, for example, to get a delivery from, if you were to get home delivery from a supermarket, you'd have to book your slot in a week in advance. With Amazon Prime Fresh, for example, for food, 
they can order in two hours on a weekday and get their food in two hours. And it just doesn't make any sense how they manage to leverage that sort of uh, a transportation. Well, no, that, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. You live in, you do live on the outskirts of London, right? But like, you still live in a massive city. Like we don't get we don't get any offers for I don't think in Charlotte we get any offers for same day delivery. Maybe at my house in Charlotte, maybe occasionally. For Amazon. Yeah, for Amazon. Uh, so we don't get same the delivery. Like how often would you get stuff delivered now? How often my dad loves Amazon. He loves Amazon. We we get we get at least a package a day. But do you do you have the same day delivery there or not? No, no, we have so at, the, at my parents' house, we have it's yeah. It is astounding how they're they're changing the game with. So they're actually keeping up. So they're keeping up with the, like almost the pace of technology with actual products, right? Getting products into someone's hands that they see online, which is it's it's going to kill department stores in my opinion, right? Sure. Yeah, actually, going to. I the only thing I have issues. I still like going to like a store and just browsing. I think that's the only problem with. Amazon. I think maybe one day they might. I think one thing that Amazon might need to look into is virtual reality shopping. Imagine that, right? Well, so we you, have retail stores now. So the the first Amazon uh, retail store has been piloted in the UK. Yeah, on but, yeah they, but they've had that in the US for a while. So they have I them mean, in. They have them in New York where it's 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 no checkout, right? You just yeah, pick okay. your stuff up and leave, yeah. and they, they figure out what you're picking up, right? But I, I don't think. That's that's a whole different ballgame than the regular Amazon, right? Brick and mortar will always be different than online. Brick and mortar is about people wanting to actually talk to someone, see the good, touch the good. There will always be those people out there, but yeah. I think to grow, like the the next step for the online space is virtual reality, right? Virtual reality shopping. So you go to reality because those are two different things, right? What augmented reality? AR is what? A lot. Uh, yeah, I know what augmented reality. Mm, augmented. It, it could be either. I don't think it matters, right? I think it's once. I think augmented would come before virtual because it's, I don't. I don't know how the technology works behind it, but I would assume it's a little bit easier. Well, augmented reality is where you can see things layered on you, right? So, for yeah, example, layered on you, you. Use what they look like on you, um, on your body. So basically, it's it's. But you, I, you could do that through virtual reality. I would, I would assume, right? So you're in a virtual reality space, sure, or sure. you're in a thing, right? And you're looking. You're almost looking around at. You're picking yeah. things on. There's a mirror next to you. And you're putting it on. You look in the mirror, and you can see yourself wearing it. I would, I would assume that's what it. Yeah. Imagine absolutely. that. That'd be crazy. VR and AR have been one of these things for the last ten years that people have been talking about. It's coming next year. It's coming next year. It's coming. Yeah, and next. it just never comes. But have you, have you ever like used virtual reality though nowadays? Like, it's, I went to a virtual reality game last week. Actually, one of those gaming centers that they have. Yeah. A, so my friend has like a nice virtual reality set. Like he's paid like two, three thousand dollars for it. And it's actually a lot of fun, like a lot of fun to play. But I think it's it's just still not there yet, right? But the people were promising that this was going to break through, like uh, Facebook bought Oculus, I think, and like and then I think Samsung bought HTC Vive, which are the two big uh, headset companies for virtual reality. And they were talking about the application. I went to a conference about Wait, this in like Facebook owns Oculus. Yeah, they bought Oculus. Yeah, they bought Oculus. What is Google? What is Google own? Uh, Google have an AR project called Google Glass. So they came out with the Glass, yeah. That's that's um mixed reality, right? I think it's called mixed reality because it's it's basically or it could be augmented reality where you look augmented, yeah. Yeah, it's augmented, I think. So you're looking through a normal like your own vision, but you see uh like a re like a digital reality layered on top of it, right? 
But what's interesting is I went to this conference in like 2015 and they were talking about applications to medicine, to education. Uh, obviously, gaming is the big one. But it's always seemed a little bit uh, premature. But anyway, it seems as though this pandemic, like many things, has accelerated the growth in this space. And virtual reality and augmented reality could really become more of a mainstay or could be really something that that permeates our life in a real way in the next five years, I think. But it'll be interesting to see where that goes. On the Amazon topic, so what do you guys think? Bezos stepping down. We talked about Amazon and cryptos before about how what would happen if Amazon released their own uh, coin to shop on the platform. That would be something that would be very monopolistic and it would be very probably successful as well at the same time. Uh, do we have any worries about Bezos stepping down as the CEO of Amazon for Amazon shareholders or the growth of Amazon? I don't think so. Even though Jake Bezos is stepping down, the man is still in control. Anytime he wants to come in and say, yo, we're not doing this, he's they're not doing it, right? He's yeah. never it's almost like Bill Gates. Bill Gates like left it, but like is has he really left? Like he still has incredible amount of influence. For sure, for sure. Well, well he, he does Bezos still hold the majority share he must hold the majority shares. Yeah, him and his wife, right? His, his wife yeah. not, not majority, no way. I think he owns about twelve, thirteen percent. But that's still by far the wealthiest person in the world, right? Uh, yeah. But then he got divorced as well, right? So he lost a lot of his shareholding as well. But it's not really a dent in his in his pocket. But also the news about Blue Origin, you know, he's he's going into space. Um, oh, I read a whole Twitter feed about this. How it's just a, a big a big thing between the billionaires and who's got a bigger cock, basically. Uh, Branson, right? Richard Branson. Branson, and, uh, uh, Elon, and Bezos, right? They're all competing to see who first one to get to space, right? And they, they were, this person was talking about like. What are they actually achieving by going to space, right? So Elon's talked about, he's talked about actually building like a, a colony on Mars and the moon, right? But sure. she was talking about how her husband or whoever, her spouse, someone she knows, is a flight yeah. controller at NASA. Whose spouse? So this person on Twitter, right? So I, I saw a Twitter thread that was just a rant about this. Mm, and okay. it was about, so her husband's like a controller in, in NASA. And it was like, she was just explaining how 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 hard it is to actually live in space like it's like literally impossible to live in space like your entire time is just trying to survive like you you have to you have to like follow strict routines so your bones don't turn into mush right <laughs> you're eating shit every day basically and she was talking about pooping pooping is like a like a there's like 12 steps for you just to poop <laughs> like like you can't just live in space right like the, and they're talking about all these billionaires like wanting to do all these things. Like, what is that going to achieve? Like, it's not, not going to happen. Like, there was a guy that went up to space for one year, right? He's the longest person to ever live in space. The minute he came back to Earth, he immediately retired. He's like, I can't do that again. He's like, I can't do that again. It's 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 chaos, right? You're you're going into chaos. It's it's not it's space, right? You're going into the cosmos. I think I, everyone loves the idea of space. But once they get up to space, they're going to be like, I hate this. Like, why am I up here? But also Blue Origin and and, Be and Elon Musk's um, SpaceX are commercial ventures, right? So yeah. the venture well, is based on uh, putting satellites into orbit. Yeah, right? so exactly. Elon's doing a little bit more about it. Like, Elon's trying to make that, that mesh internet global. Like, the, or I, don't, I don't know what it's called, but essentially what he's doing is just putting a whole bunch of satellites around the world. So there's global internet for everyone. And it's Basically. also... 
that the satellites is a big private business, right? So huge private business. Yeah. Need to have a satellite in the sky. They'll need. They used to use governmental bodies to be put these satellites in orbit, right? It's gone to the private markets now, and the private markets are SpaceX and Blue Origin now. And I think, like many of um, these type of industries, there's heavy government subsidies as well. Uh, there's a big governmental contract that was signed by SpaceX, I think, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, where they beat our Blue Origin. So, but anyway, Bezos is going to space as a tourist on the 21st of July. I think uh, Branson is going slightly before then. I thought that was an car race. Is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's very interesting, right? It's very interesting where it goes. But it seems like that's the next frontier of what he's doing. Is that, uh, Amazon is no longer the limit of his ambition. So that'll be interesting to see where that goes. We haven't talked too much about crypto on this podcast uh, this time around. Uh, maybe I can ask you, because we're all a little bit worse for wear today, and crypto is a little bit of a complicated topic for... Well, I think one thing we could talk about is the, the Twitter, Twitter NFT that dropped. Yeah, okay. Twitter, so had, a, Twitter had a huge... Um, I don't know exactly how many pieces they dropped. They dropped a lot of pieces, like a um, limited run, right? It was about hundred. It was twenty. Or there were seven pieces, and they minted twenty additional pieces. Okay, they're meeting, making making so NFTs. One hundred forty total. So seven different pieces with twenty additional pieces. Okay, so are you guys going to be? Uh, what's the process of being able to get involved in something like this? You can't anymore. They're already all sold. Sold, okay, right, okay. No, I thought they weren't selling them. I thought they were, like, giving them away. Well, they're already all gone, I believe. So they've given them all out, and now they're just yeah, selling so, so on the second day. I actually, so we, we got sent, we had one chat where we got sent that, that thread on where they were giving them out, right? Um, And you just had to comment, and they were giving them out. I, I remember, so some guy got his, right? He's got his NFT piece from Twitter. He commented on it. They liked it. They said, DM me. We'll send you an NFT. He gets the NFT and then sells it immediately for fifty thousand dollars. That's how popular this NFT stuff. I'm really, I'm very like confused as to what's. It, it seems like it's just chaos, right? Like everyone's releasing an NFT every day. But one thing is for sure is that off the we've had this big back and forth of public market CEOs and influential people and where they are on Bitcoin and crypto. But Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO of Twitter and the CEO of Square. He's definitely um, still very much in the crypto bull market, bull uh, long term uh, mentality, right? So his Twitter bio still has hashtag Bitcoin as his handle. So yeah. really, I think I think I think NFTs are. I I'm on the same wave as I see the value in NFTs, but my problem is there's there's they're a dime a dozen now. There's so many out there, and they keep getting released. And do you? I, Tim Berners-Lee one. So the guy who founded the internet sold yeah, his... The, yeah, his source code. Sor- source code he sold is what he sold. Well, 5.4 billion... Sorry, million uh, US... billion dollars, imagine. Yeah, on Sotheby's, right? That's actually interesting. He sold the source code. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I would say will always hold value, right? I think even Twitter's first NFT, that's something will hold value, but there's just so many other NFTs, like all these celebrities like, giving their first... Edwin Snowden, you know the guy, the whistleblower, the CIA, he sold for 5.4. But go on, Jason, sorry to interrupt you. What were you saying? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, all these celebrities coming out with their own NFTs, how can they all hold value? So there was actually one by Andy Murray this week as well. Andy Murray's was a little bit different, right? So Andy Murray's, you buy the NFT, 
I think if you buy a certain one of his NFTs, right, it comes with center court Wimbledon tickets. Yeah, we discussed this, right? Do you remember we discussed this? About using NFTs to actually... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, which I thought was a great idea. So it comes with something physical of value, right? You get the you get the art piece, which so now that piece is always going to be attributed to that Wimbledon event, which he's no longer in. Knocked out yesterday, you know that. Yeah, yeah no, really? but this is next year. This is next year. Oh, next year, fine, fine. fine. It's not this year, yeah. So next year, he'll probably, hopefully, he'll if he does something major in that Wimbledon, that oh, NFT is going to skyrocket. He's too injured. He's too injured. He's always injured. That's the problem. That's interesting, but yeah. So look, they're here to stay, right? These NFTs, like, as and it's not just going to be digital artwork. It'll be things like this, like the ticket events. It'll be for like uh, collectible sales. Like, it's they're here to stay, right? Maybe this is the maybe this is the. Do you, do you know if if people are putting a lot of leverage into the space if they're buying these things on margin or is it just one of those things that's become like? Uh, I know some people are. Yeah. yeah, definitely, some people are doing that, right? I was thinking the other day, I think some of these art pieces that are coming out of NFTs, they're very interesting mm. pieces, right? I, I really like the way they look and the way, the, what the artist did to create them. Um, but I just think in my personal life, I'm not at a point where I'm paying thousands of dollars to, for artwork. Like, I definitely want to rather buy a Pokemon card, like an expensive Pokemon card than an expensive NFT. If you were to tell me today, well, I, I, in my opinion, it depends on the NFT, right? Um, if I was given the option to to buy cheaply on like some like even like one of those those um, crypto pugs, if someone gave me an option, just the other day, some some idiot accidentally sold his crypto punk for <laughs> for um, two ETH. Yeah, it's he had bought it literally like before for like. Thirty thousand dollars and sold it and sold it for three thousand dollars. And oh, if wait. I got that opportunity, <laughs> he was he was like begging the world to get to get. So you're a value investor. You're looking for this good deal. No, right? yeah, I'm not. I'm not looking for something that's gonna drop in money. Like I'm not trying to waste money out here. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, it's it's just, like- and the problem is, I I have to find something that's big enough that like everyone knows about, right? Because the problem is out there, there's there's too many NFTs, right? If I buy something like that, I actually like truly like, right? It would have to be cheap. Um, first of all, I'm Indian. I'm gonna buy cheap shit. Like, it's got to be cheap. You know what I mean? Because oh, I agree with you. Because if I try to sell it, like, there's so much. Who's gonna be looking to buy that specific piece? Yeah. There's not enough users out there to actually buy that stuff. Are you still are you still uh, in the mode of like looking at Nifty Gateway every day? No, no, I don't. I wait. I, uh, my friends are very into it, so if they tell me about it, I'll look at it. Because I looked at that. I looked at that Andy Murray one. I thought about it. It's still too much money for me. But you still hold. You still own. You you you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I, I still own some. Um, I own some some ones by some pretty big artists. So those ones I'll keep for a while. Um, maybe sell them soon. Uh, who knows, right? Um, I, I, I'm still involved in the NFT space. I think it's a great space. Like, I own some coins that are like, so there are a lot of coins out there now that these artists are um putting out there. It's one of the coins I own is called the Burn Token. Oh, okay. no, it's not. It's not called. Sorry, it's called Ash. So you burn an NFT to get your Ash. So essentially, you have to burn one of his pieces, which means you're ultimately destroying it from the blockchain network altogether. Okay, fine. So. 
that so what you're doing is you're just so I paid like what I think one one ETH or one or one point two ETH for the RP. So that's at the time it was like a thousand dollars or something like that, right? And and then I burned that, so I destroyed that piece, so it's not there anymore. And then I get returned ash token. But what that ash token is, this guy's a big enough artist, right? So with his future art pieces, the only way to bid on his art piece will be through that ash token. So you have to have ash token to be able to get his art pieces, right? Or he might do some other things with the ash token. I don't know what they are yet, but there's there's a whole bunch of utility with those tokens itself. You know, I found a shit coin that I really like. I, do, I actually uh, retweeted it to you. Um, did you see that, what I sent you? When did you do it? So it's called, I saw it on, um, like a, I can't remember who's a war. It's called Ding Dong. Oh, I see it now. Ding Dong. Yeah, Ding Dong. I think I've it's heard like, about this. I heard about this one. Like these coins that are related to these little South Park eclipse. It's legendary. It's called Ding Dong coin? Ding, Ding Dong. Dong. D-I-N-K-D-O-I-N-K coin. Uh, and they come with these uh, little songs. Oh. <laughs> 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 I'm buying this stuff. Though. But this one, I was like, I didn't buy it, but I thought that if I was the buyer, I would buy this one. Hey, you should buy it, dude. I'm a Tell everyone I own a dink donk. <laughs> On that subject, what you just said, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I don't know whether you're okay to talk about this, but I know it's something you're interested in, um, in the long-term progress of the space. Uh, but did you see the news about this, uh, the Olympic sprinter? Oh, the one that got, uh, yeah, I was yeah. talking to you about it the Kicked other day. out because uh, she tested positive for marijuana. She's, a, she's an American athlete. She was a college athlete that was really... She had built a big personal brand and she was running like 100 meters in like just above 10 seconds. Yeah. Uh, she was afraid of going into Olympics and she'd become a little bit of a cult hero. And she apparently was smoking cannabis to get over the passing of her mother in the preparation for the Tokyo Olympics. And she was given a one month ban. Uh, I was, I know you're interested in reading about the space and, and learning about the space. And yeah. Well, she, well, before you get into that, she was given a ban from the 100 meter relay. I mean, the hundred meter sprint, but not the relay. So, so wait, wait. The Tokyo Olympics are when do they start? I think one month away, as far as I know. It's very, very soon. Which I thought was a very weird ban. How can you ban someone from one event and not the other event? Well, that I was going to ask you that because in terms of it's not a performance. Well, the the question was it's not performance enhancing. Uh, there's many benefits of cannabis over something, some of the other substances that are legally prescribed in the US. And um, is it, do you think this is something that needs to be considered to be changed? A lot of people, it's a big controversy, right? Uh, the, the, it's her name is uh, Richardson. Uh, Shakari Richardson. Uh, yeah, so yeah. she tested positive for like uh, medicinal cannabis uh, because she was, uh, I think she's, she lives in a state where it's completely legal and it's now uh she's been banned from the olympics basically and she was a 21 year old so she was built to run in those in those three events in the 100 meters the 200 meters and the uh relay like jason said so it's a 30-day ban okay so so okay the, th- the reason for it wasn't that she was banned from one race 
The length of the ban is 30 days, which means that she won't be able to participate in the 100 meter relay, but she will be able to participate. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was very confused about that. I didn't. I, I saw it pop up on one of my feeds. I was, was like, how can they ban her from one event and not the other? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's that, just that makes sense because a 30 day ban, she'll be able to make the other. Yeah. So what do you guys think about that? Um. Well, I mean, I think it's just time, right? Like, like I've been saying, like in the United States, like, you know, West Coast is pretty much all legal and it's slowly starting to shift to the East Coast. Um, Virginia, which is a state right above North Carolina, um, they just legalized recreational cannabis um, and they're pretty much similar to uh, to North Carolina and being, you know, a pr- pretty conservative area. Um, it's just going to take time and like it's starting to move across the across the globe, right? Like Canada, fully legal. Um, I think there are places in South Africa that's like fully legal. But, you know, like over time, I think it like the stance is going to change. Um, banning her from the Olympics, I get it, right? Because like if you're outside of the U.S. or outside of those, you know, small number of countries where it is legal or states where it is legal then like people are competing in those events should be put on the similar like playing field so to speak like you know stuff should be standardized across um athletes um i don't know you know like if it was up to me it would i would have no problem with but uh, you know, I think they're just trying to make it so that everybody's competing in a a fair environment. She's now you know why a lot of those basketball players said no to the Olympics this year. Well, absolutely. Really? Yeah, but but no, the NBA... that's not why. But probably that's <laughs> making it up. All these mean Dame Lillard, like so many people are going still, right? Uh, Dame's not going. Yes. But I thought he said no. You know, the NBA doesn't test for weed anymore. Yeah, they don't. They don't. It was not since the. Bubble. I think the NFL. I think the NFL is also stopping as well, right? At least for not for cannabis. For other drugs, I think they do test. Who's winning the? Um, we're digressing now, but it's fine. But who who's winning the NBA finals? Bucks, Suns. I need I need the Bucks to win. I got money on it, so I have I'm to. A... I think the Suns will probably clutch yeah. it. But... I'm a bandwagon uh, Suns fan, I, bro. I, I need the Bucks to to do me a solid and, and make me some money. How many times? He's never even been to the finals before, right? Who? Who? Well, yeah, I well, mean, none like, of them on the Suns. None of them. No one on the Suns has been to the finals, or even the Bucks. Well, other than the, I think the the GM. What what the GM has been to the finals four times in the last six years. Bro, the GM has won like he's he was he won like every LeBron finals. I think, right? What's yeah. his name? James James Jones. James Jones, James Jones, yep, James Jones. I like the Suns to win. I like CP3 to win. And then, okay, the reason that I, for example, am a bit lethargic today, and I'm not sure about you guys as well, is we have the Euros going on, the European Football Championships. Uh, you guys have a British passport. Uh, I'm in the UK now. England are doing very well. We won uh, the quarterfinal against Ukraine 4-0 yesterday. And this is we're in the semis of the European Championships. We were in the semis of the World Cup in 2018. What do you guys think? Do you think we're going to be? Do you think it's going to be coming home? It's coming home, boy. I, I Italy, really it's hope going so. to be. Eng- hopefully, it's going to be England, Italy. Italy. Where I'm predicting, very likely, it's going to be England, Italy. 
That's a tough. Italy's looking good. Yeah, very, very good. Very, very. They're playing at fast pace, but when you play at fast pace, that's when England thrives. Well, the thing is, I think it's a England. The thing is, England have not conceded a goal. That's the thing. Yeah, England have never conceded a goal, which is huge. Can you imagine if England won, and they won in Wembley Stadium, right? They won in the UK, in London, right? Yeah, it would be madness. That would be, honestly, like, that would be crazy. People wouldn't work for, like, two, three days. Say again? People wouldn't work for, like, two, three days. No, they'll be, they'll be, like, a national holiday. Like, like, football is, like, football here. It's, like, a religion, right? And also, England have never progressed that. This is the first time England have been to, to, this is the best like Gareth Southgate is already the greatest England manager ever, apart from I think it was Hurst who guided them to the '66 World Cup. This is crazy, right? Well, I think what's good though is um, I think Harry Kane's become on lockdown. He he had a struggle at the beginning of the tournament. Um, oh yeah, he's and now he's now now he's got that confidence in him. He's got three goals under his under his chest. He's like I'm ready to go, which is huge for England. And Sterling, Sterling's playing top-notch uh, football right now. Maybe Sancho. Was Sancho. Sancho is Sancho good. Was playing good. That, dude, that dude's good on the ball. He went for $72 million to United. And, uh, yeah, and our defenders are looking good out there, defending. Um, Who do we got? Maguire out there. Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker. Yeah. Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw was the best player on the pitch. Luke Shaw was the best player. He had those two crosses. Yeah, best player on the pitch. Yeah, we got a solid team. We got a really, really solid team. And we got uh, depth. We got depth. So yeah, you got Jordy Henderson coming off the the bench. You got Rashford. You got um, Rashford, Grealish. Bellingham, you got Grealish. You got Grealish coming off the bench. Jordan uh, Henderson. You got uh, what's that other the, the other defender saying? The, 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 the one of Dreads. Uh, oh, you don't even have Trent Alexander Arnold. Injured, but we don't need him. Really. Kieran Trippier is on the bench. Yeah, Trippier, uh, Trippier is on the bench. The, no. it's, the squad is the only team that I like before that on paper, and England never perform according to paper, they always underperform. But on paper, France were the only team that were, that were better, right? And France kind of threw their chances away because they got complacent. But I, I know, think France had just no, I, I think on paper, France is definitely better than us, like 100%. Oh, 100%. 100%. They just have the, 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 the raw talent they have. It's but they just, go right? They got. They started yeah. to get. Pogba got cocky. He's like, "What are you doing out there, Pogba?" I mean, not Pogba. Sorry, uh, Mbappe. Pogba had a screamer in that last game. Pogba. Pogba actually played. Gave up his life in that game. Pogba was making some incredible passes, in the and game, they just they, weren't capitalizing. They only played for thirty minutes. They played for thirty minutes, and then. Like you could see when they turn it on, it's just the talent. They've got the best. They got Kante, who's the best central midfielder. Pogba next to him. They got yeah, Griezmann. They got ben- Benzema. Varane, Loris. They got. Yeah, they got. They got so many good players on that team. Well, the problem was they took out Griezmann too early. Yeah, they took out Griezmann and Benzema. Yeah, they took out. Well, Benzema had to come out because he was like, "I'm dead. Like, I, I can't play anymore." Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So Benzema had to come out. They should have taken Benzema out I mean, instead of Griezmann. But you know Giroud, the guy that came on for Benzema, he's got yeah. a better record, got an unbelievable record for France. He's got yeah, like but that's because he only comes in on times when he's needed. <laughs> like, so Benzema was banned before this tournament, right? He was banned because of this like uh, sex tape allegation with a teammate years ago. So Giroud has been... He, he hasn't played for the national team for like five years. Even though Why he's been... Why do they know good. that? 
Giroud has been playing because Benzema was banned from the team. He only came back for this tournament. But Giroud has been in play since then. But Benzema has been one of the best strikers in the world for the last decade, right? But everyone was is thinking, there, like, best team so- of the world. Is there soccer in the Olympics? Yeah, of course. But you can't uh, play professional players. Like, you can play two or three professional players. And then the rest are all, um, the rest are all like, youth players. Or if I think it's under 21s. You can have three people over 21. So then how does it work with NBA, I mean, basketball in the Olympics? Basketball, you're allowed professional players. In the Olympics? Yeah. Oh, that's very weird. I didn't. I never understood that because all the U.S. stars go to play basketball. No, but that that was a big thing, right? That um, in two thousand, like I think it, that was the why the Dream Team was so famous. Why Michael yeah, Jordan was so famous because that was the first Olympics where they allowed uh, professional players to play, and since then they've allowed professional players to play. Before it was only college athletes. And then I think the college athletes started to lose many times to some of these larger countries who have professional leagues like Spain. And so they brought the USA team back. But for soccer, it's such an international sport that, um, yeah, they don't do that. It's all uh, young players, basically. And then they have a couple of um, like pro players, well, like three players, I think, per country. Hmm, so it's an interesting sport going on now. So, yeah. Well, the World Cup. I think 2026 is coming to the U.S. So, no, but it's going to be. I think it's North America, right? It's not just U.S. Right? Well, yeah. yes, North America, but like basically U.S. I will be following England around everywhere. People are watching, huh? Everyone supports England. No, 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 no just us. <laughs> no, no one supports England but us. Uh, I think they would. I think they would support the U.S. No, but Europe. Oh, for the Euros? I don't think they really care. They just want to, they want to see competitive football. Mm, interesting. Cool. Okay, so we, we digressed a little bit this week. We're all a little bit lethargic. It's festivities in the US. Happy 4th of July, guys. Let's hope uh, the next time we chat, uh, the final will be on Sunday this week. So uh, let's hope that by that time, Turkey's coming home. It's Denmark on Wednesday. Then the final on Sunday, so... Not long to go. Thank you uh, for listening to episode eight. Word on the block. Speak to you next time. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, everyone.